be admitted after the guests check in. Episode three of Motel How. I'm Alexa, also known as uh, Flex Alexa. Flex Alexa. I'm, I'm still not completely sold on that, but we'll go with it for now. Or I was Alexa. thinking buttons is pretty cute. You tried to pull this shit on me like five years ago. Why will no one call me buttons? Because you're not. No. <laughs> There's like a lot of things by the buttons. Isn't Patches. I even started calling you buttons. Clown. Okay. I started calling you buttons, it never caught on. So I, I really, gave up. really wanted to catch on. Alright, I'm Alexa, a Dick Fetty to my right, and... You can say my own name, but that's fine. This is the exact struggle we went through last time. My name's Dick Fetty. Fetty on Fetty on Fetty. Yeah. I can't go in, I ain't ready. And... This drink on me heavy. Benjamin? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> have we settled on a nickname for you? He doesn't have one. I mean, some people call me Dragon, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, no, Nobody. It, was, it was Benny Lake. That's not true. I'm in people's phones as Dragon. Yeah. I'm not going to name their names. Jeremiah. Because it's Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I've never heard We've got that. Veronica and Eddie here as well. Nice to have you guys. Yeah, they're awful quiet tonight. Yeah. They'll be more talkative. That's time good fun. We should definitely... That'd be fucked up. <laughs> develop a voice or two. So we're going to... Start with the movie review like we always do, and then launch into our subject tonight, which is Poison. Thought you guys would add a little more to that. I, I was waiting like, for him to start just, singing a song by Poison. Oh, yeah. here I am, Rocky like a hurricane. Well, now the oh, moment, well, that the moment's moment, gone, <laughs> the moment's yeah. lost. So um, I see the acoustics in here aren't right for my singing. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk about poison. A lot of cool poisonous stuff. Poisonous people. People that have poisoned other people, people that <laughs> people that have uh, poisoned mass people. Nobody that's poisoned. Nobody. It's kind of delayed. <laughs> it's, not, it's not as fast as I want. Nobody that's. <laughs> All right, that's cool. So why don't we talk about the movie we watched, which was called Poison, and uh, not Poison, though. Belly of the Black Tarantula. Is that really what it was called? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember. Um, classic Giallo. Would you say early Giallo? Late Giallo? Uh, I think it's about mid-period. Okay. Because it's, um, well, I don't have the year on me. The internet has the year. I want to say it's like mid-70s, so like early Giallo is like mid to late 60s, and then like Giallo, like golden era is like the early to mid 70s and then 
late is everything that's like late 70s into the 80s so by the 80s it was pretty much over 1972 there you go yeah so dick fetty knows his dick gold golden age giallo okay what do we think i knew who it was i called who the killer was within the first 10 minutes that's fair and i stand by that i mean it you know it some giallos you, you really know right away some others you don't uh, I do enjoy this movie. There's spiders, tarantulas, if you will, mm. and also um, cocaine. Tarantulas on top of cocaine. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually quite the uh, the glamour piece for tarantulas as a pet mm. and as a drug smuggling device. Mm. So it gives a lot to them. Yeah, but uh, now the first time I watched it, I was in law school, I guess, and uh, I was very drunk in the afternoon. And I was like, well, I want to see this happening. And uh, then I saw people got murdered. And that was cool, but it's kind of like, it's not your average Giallo in the sense of, um, it's like as much a detective movie, like with a real detective and not an amateur boy mm -hmm. detective. And so um, it was slow and I was drunk and I couldn't do it. But uh, when I watched it again many years later with Ben for the first time, it was an entirely different experience. It's one of my favorites, personally, and the soundtrack's by Morricone, which is always a win. And there's a lot of attractive women getting murdered, as you expect. A lot of boobs. A lot of boobs, mm -hmm. yeah. There's a sassy gay dude towards the later part of the film who shows up and is sassy. He's yeah, quite great. he's got a lot of retorts. And uh, Barbara Bouchette dies early on, but they show you her breasts many times. So I'd say, in terms of Giallo, it's like a B plus, A minus. Yeah. Not the best, but... Yeah, it's listed... Uh, the Blue Underground version that I have uh, is listed as the best Giallo film ever. That's like one of the quotes on the box. I don't think that's fair or true. It's not even close to that, but it's a good movie if you're into like a more detective-y story. And the dubbing is particularly hilarious. Mm -hmm. The guy who does the detective's voice is like super glib and like really quick and like... It's just... It's, a, it's worth watching if you're into that kind of thing. Got yeah. all the giallo tropes, shiny knives, trench coats, mm -hmm. boobies, gloves, gloves, gloves. Yeah, this and one features a, a huge paralyzing needle though, which is pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. So the killer he he paralyzes his victims and then he kills them while they're still conscious but unable to move. And uh, there's a great scene with a bunch of mannequins. It's got yeah. like it's got let's see, it's got boobies, mm -hmm. it's got gloves, it's mm -hmm. got trench coats, it's got shiny knives, mm -hmm. it's got uh, fashion models, mm -hmm. it's got uh, affairs, it's got red herrings, mm -hmm. and it's got a big old German Shepherd. There's a lot of visible bottles of J and B, although not a lot of drinking. Cocaine, a lot of cocaine. Yeah, which is not that usual in Giallo. Like there's a fair amount of cocaine in there. I think. In Blood and Black Lace, weren't they trafficking, or was it speed? No, it was cocaine. No, it was cocaine. Yeah, it was a cocaine. lot of cocaine. Yeah, that's right. That movie is good. That's a good movie. Um, uh, something that I noticed this time around from, I don't know, how many, uh, I guess this is the second or third time we've watched it together now, but uh, there, there's a very prevalent scene, and I, I won't exactly tell you what happens in it, but there is cocaine, and there's this guy who's like kind of being questioned, and then he just runs off, and they never look for him. Did you realize that? <laughs> no, I think I was out of the room when that was happening. Like, the whole movie, the, the, like, no, the, the guy runs away, no. and then, like, he just, like, takes no. some drugs, the, the detective just takes the drugs, and they leave, and they never speak you, of that guy again. Are you talking about the spider? 
incident. Yeah. They do catch him. When? I hate to burst the bubble, but like when he's, they show him when he comes out with the drugs, they have him in handcuffs and they put him in the car. I'm so sorry. Because that would be awesome if I they never that. looked for him. Well, it would be just classic writing of like, we're just moving this along. Like, <laughs> all the, it takes a lot of strange turns in terms of the investigation. And it's like, the spiders are like, they talk about them and they talk about them in relation to some of the stuff. But in the movie, but like, they're basically just shortly there. It's not like, there's not like a lot of tarantulas. It'd be cool but, if there but was. But you do see one's black belly. Yeah, yeah. A little black belly all cute up in the air. all yeah. flipped over. I, mean, I don't know about you, but like, a bunch of spiders hopped up on cocaine sounds like a bad time. <laughs> it sounds like a great time. <laughs> I Depends imagine, on the time you're trying to have. That's true. That's accurate. Everybody has a different opinion <laughs> of what a good time is. Yeah, some people like it when coked up spiders crawl in their bellies. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different, and we accept all types here. It well. So this is a perfect segue. Cocaine's poisonous. <laughs> Spiders can be venomous, which is kind of like poison. Uh-huh. It's pretty much poison. And poisoning. Poison. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't have any of my own. Oh, we touched. <laughs> Awkward. Oh. Um, yeah, segue into poison. There's a lot of good shit about poison. And it's, it's funny because I want to, I'm going to have a tie-in later to the whole cocaine thing, too. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm getting that ready poison. right now. I'd like to give Dick Fetty a, a strong uh, shout-out. A strong shout-out for this idea. Oh, yeah. Um, so this all originated because I was recently in Japan and... While I was there, I was on Imgur or Reddit, one of the two. I think it was on Imgur. And there was some post, I don't even remember what the post was, but in the comments, somebody commented about there was a serial killer in Japan who was killing people by poisoning drinks in vending machines or near vending machines, and they never caught him. And so I screencapped it, and I sent it to these guys, and I was like, we should talk about this, I need to look into this. Or maybe I never sent it to you, but I You did not it. send it to me. Okay, well, anyways, it was all in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that brings us to tonight's episode. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Do you know anything about it? Uh, well, I don't have the article up in front of me, but basically it was, uh, I think it was 87, uh, there's about... So, Japan's unique in the sense of it's a largely law-abiding country, or at least, like, in terms of petty crimes and stuff like that, they're either unreported or underreported, and you don't, like, you don't have to worry about your purse or your kid or, like, that kind of stuff when you're in the streets and uh, all this. And so, as a result, they're able to have a ton of vending machines in Japan, which is cool because, like, they sell... Um, you know, drinks, they sell liquor, they sell cigarettes, they sell food, you can buy them all in these vending machines. They have like the highest um, ratio of person to vending machine. It's like, I, I forget what it was, it's in the New York Times article. Every person gets a vending machine. Yeah, no, it's like every like 124 people or is it 1,000, uh, I'll, I'll check that it's in a, a second. It's a Those are different yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like it's <laughs> insane. So anyways, they're able to have all these vending machines and um, so uh, somebody started poisoning them um, and like putting poison drinks either in the vending machines or near the vending machines. And so they would like, people would go, they would pay for their drink and they would go to get their drink out and they'd see another one in there. And they're like, oh man, I got lucky, like two drinks, Three sweet. Drinks. So like the New York Times article starts with them talking about this like uh, 
you know, middle-aged guy who's like goes to like go fishing or like on his walk or whatever, and he gets his like orange vitamin C drink, and then he like finds another one in there. He's like, oh sweet, and then like the next day he's dead. And uh, the the poison they used was um, uh, this uh, poison that was actually like a chemical for it was a pesticide that they use in farming there, and it was completely unregulated in terms of the sale. So like tons of people could use it for um, like all different things you could get it super easily yeah. and that was like the poison that was being used but the police also thought that um, of the deaths some of them were suicides and not actual murders because it was used regularly as in a, a way to attempt um, suicide suicide yeah and so I think they would kick up the regulation on that well you would think so but uh, the article's interesting because they talk about both the the government the vending machine like conglomerates and whatever and the people were like kind of like nah, we're not going to make any changes because this is going to cost us money so mm -hmm. it was like they could um you know make it harder to tamper with the drinks they could make it harder to tamper with the vending machines and basically the vending machine company's uh, opinion was it was the victim's fault for not being more careful with the drinks they chose. What? Yeah, yeah, which is, I thought, pretty ballsy. And they were like, they should have been more careful. And it's like, Japan's like a very polite society, but it doesn't mean that they're not like a little harsh. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would totally, if I saw another drink at the bottom, I would take it without questioning. It's free well, drinks. Yeah. I, well, I do have a question because a lot of the stories we're going to cover tonight have to do with the fact well partially in fact that like they things changed after these things happened yeah the one the one we talk about the the Tylenol murders in Chicago which uh, we'll get into a little bit like completely revamped the um, the b -b -b like the how they have to have the seal on them yeah. and they can't be tampered with and then it also did a bunch of other cool stuff well, this, this article specifically talks about, so this was, um, I'm looking at the New York Times article from December 10th, 1985. So if you Google this, you can find it. It's archived. It's a, it's a cool article. And the, uh, the pesticide they used was called Paraquat. Paraquat. And they uh, talk in the article about there wasn't the response that you saw after the Tylenol killings, which I think were 82. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, in the sense of nobody was making that big jump. And in part because nobody could own it. It wasn't any one brand or any one thing. I mean, it was all drinks. Mm. But there was a spat of copycat crimes. There was poisoned milk left at, like, an elementary school. There was some other stuff like that. But basically it fizzled out, and they never caught the person who did it. And it's one of those things where... Like, regionally, they could say, yeah, it was probably, like, this one guy, but then it started happening everywhere, like, mm. for a little bit, and, uh, you know, like, there's no really way to catch him, and the person never kept going, and in the article, they also talk about a couple years before, there was some um, blackmailing in the, uh, I think it was the candy industry or something like that, where this group of, like, the men of 11 unnamed faces or something like that was blackmailing these candy companies for money saying that they would poison their product if they didn't um, give them money mm. and then they would poison the product but then they would put it on store shelves and say there's poison in this so like nobody was actually <laughs> it, which I thought like in oh, terms sweet, of free poison yeah right like in terms of like blackmailing was and like this was in Japan yeah not sure <laughs> at least at least 10 or 20 people were like great like I was gonna kill myself anyway today well, right. some sweetness yeah, to yeah no I know so I mean you know you, you take the good with the bad on that but like and it was, it was just, it was interesting to me. And the thing that, you know, 
is is cool about Japan is like and having just been there is there's still like all these vending machines and now with the cigarettes and liquor most of them have this thing where you have to swipe your Japanese ID to be able to use the machine after you put your money in and if you don't like have one they'll give you your money back but like the first night I was there I went to buy a bag of cigarettes at the vending machine and I was like oh right I have to have a Japanese ID so that was a bummer so there's like those types of regulations and they talk a little bit in the article about pornography being available in vending machines and some other stuff but like the government just doesn't really like they weren't super worried about that yeah. and I mean Ben and I were talking about just you know it was until the 90s that child porn was still legal in Japan yeah shut up yeah the, that article I sent you about that child killer from Japan yeah it, it talks about how they found child porn in his in his it was still legal yeah I mean, I get that they have a lot of fetish shit, but like that is not okay. Okay, so let me and let me just let me just pull this back real quick. So there is a vending machine for every twenty-three people. That is That's an insane awesome. amount of vending machines. Well, it's awesome. As you know, I've been playing Persona Five, and <laughs> literally one of the trophies you can get in the game <laughs> is for buying one of every drink from vending machines. In the game. <laughs> which which I tried to do with Weston when we were on our trip because like the drinks are incredible. Like, that's the thing, like, every vending machine's owned by a different company, so it's like a Pepsi and Coke thing, mm. but then it's, like, Mr. Pibb's uncle, Dr. Squibbles, <laughs> and his vending machine has a bunch of amazing stuff, and you're like, this is fantastic. So, there's, like, 17 different types of melon soda by, like, one brand, you know what I mean? It's, it's so good. Like, everything is, like, lightly carbonated and totally corn syrupy, but, like, with, like, these melon flavors or, like, mm. You guys can't see it, but Dick Fetty literally has a twinkle in his eye. <laughs> It's amazing, and the, and the one thing that I wanted to spell right now, they talk, everybody talks about the panties in the vending machines. That's not like a real thing. There's a different type of machine called a capsule machine, which is like they, they're like, uh, when you go to the diner and they have the machines and they sell little homies. Like a gadget Little homies. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, little homies, right? So like you- Those weren't racist. So you, no, they weren't. They were white people mostly. And, uh, and um, you put in your 50% and is that a, is it a culture anyway is it cool anyway so you put in your 50 cents and you get in a capsule but you don't know which homie you're gonna get it could be any homie so they have the same thing with the capsule machines and some of them are like everything's a winner some of them are like three out of the four things you could get suck mm -hmm. um and you can buy you can buy underwear in capsule machines but it's not like there's a vending machine i mean it's it, Semantics, but That's I think it's totally a, semantics. Is, is I don't it, think are, so. are, like, Have they been worn by somewhere? Are they just fresh? Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, so I was in a I wound up in a fetish shop the last day I was there, and half of the shop was you could buy used leotards, unitards, panties, school uniforms, socks, nylons, and I'm forgetting some other kind of article mm. of clothing. But basically, if it could be worn by a wo woman, you could buy it, and they were expensive. I mean, I, I was looking at the unit because I was like. Is this like at first I thought it was a video because it's packed so tightly, and then I was like, oh, that's what this is. Oh, there's soiled clothing. In there. Yeah, well, because there's like stores where you can just go buy girls' yearbook photos. Like, there's all this. Like, I feel it, like I could be making some serious money. Well, right, and that's Have kind of the thing. These girls, they they just can sell these, you know, their photos. We should we should save all this crazy stuff right. for the. We should. But I I just want to say that like buying vending machines like at the corner is, or buying panties through a vending machine at the corner is not that common. Buying poison drinks doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> so go to Japan. I had a wonderful time. No poison in my life. Maybe I bought used underwear. Maybe not. 
So, uh, <laughs> what do you guys want to do? Because I, I have the uh, I have uh, the Candyman article pulled up already. If you guys want to talk about that first, do you want to do? I don't know shit about the Candyman. Okay. I haven't. So, if you want to tell me about that. So this guy, uh, Ronald Clark O'Brien. Ronald. Never he, met a good Ron. So essentially, he he took his kids. Um, Never met a good Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> what about Ronald McDonald? Uh, what about Ronald Swanson? Yeah. Uh, I've never met either of those. You never met Ronald McDonald? I never met him. Anyway. Seen statues. That's him. What? Yeah, his spirit is in all the statues. And at any time, he could, he could become animate and touch you. I don't think that's so, true. That is 100% true. So. Right. Are you trying to say something? No. I was just getting aroused. Is this Ronald McDonald's <laughs> origin story? It is. Ronald O'Brien. What? Yeah, he seems like an O'Brien. He's got that ginger complexion. So, this guy, he took... um it's not a wig. He took his four children... Well, him and a neighbor took their four children uh, trick-or-treating in Pasadena, Texas. And, Pasadena, uh, Texas? There sure I thought, is. I thought, I, thought he was, uh, I thought he was a guy out on the East Coast. No, no, no. no. I've been living my whole life thinking it's them East Coast parents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're all trick-or-treating, and um, the kids are getting impatient because somebody didn't answer the door. They ran off. He catches up to them, and uh, he eventually caught up with them and uh, gave them 21-inch pixie sticks, which are great. Yeah, they are. So good. I like those wait, who, thick cut ones. Wait, who gave them the pixie sticks? Ron, Ron O'Brien. O'Brien. He... He gave them to the kids. He was so he was chaperoning the kids and all the kids that were with them, including his own children. Yeah. So they, you know, they they go out and they're they're doing their thing, and um, so they 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 come back with all their candy, and uh, the kids are unable to get it open. So and it was because like the well no they got it open but it was like the the sugar wasn't like pouring out like it'd been like tampered with or something. Mm -hmm. So he like you know was kind of like rolling the stick around to try to break it up, which <laughs> should you should only have to do with drugs. So they the kids start eating it, and uh, his son Timothy starts complaining about how it tastes awful, and uh, so just eat your poison. O'Brien, <laughs> O'Brien's like, here's some Kool Aid, kid. Just wash that shit down. You'll be fine. Like the bad friend at the party, you're, you're like vomiting. They're like, no, it's okay, just take another shot. This won't turn out terribly. Mm. So, rallying. That's what okay? That's true. Well, he starts to complain about how his, Timothy, the son, starts to complain how his stomach was hurting. He uh -huh. runs to the bathroom, like starts bitch. vomiting. But is that from the pixie stick or all the other candy he ate? Starts vomiting and then starts convulsing. Nice. Ah, uh, definitely. That's a from party. the Snickers. Just like everyone on house. I never understood why every single patient on that show has a seizure, but that's not that's a good there. point. I don't watch House. House. So get this. He <laughs> he called an ambulance, and uh, Timothy died in route to the hospital. Oh, so this is Ronald's kid. Yeah, Ronald's son. Yeah, this is Ronald's son. Ronald McDonald's son. Yeah. So when he took on, he became the clown. Right. You know, he was he was he was molded by the makeup. Yeah. He he became the clown. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, like, the whole community was fucking losing it. Like, oh my god, people are trying to poison our children through their Halloween candy. Right. Is this how this all started? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, 
So, at first, police were were like just like they oh we don't suspect O'Brien we don't we don't think he did anything He's wrong. He's a party clown. Yeah, how could you? He started that charity, Ronald McDonald House Charity. <laughs> exactly. He couldn't have done anything wrong until the autopsy, and then they found out that the pixie stick that the child had consumed was full of potassium cyanide. Jeez. Chock full of cyanide. <laughs> Didn't he give him to a bunch of other kids too? Uh, I don't, I don't know if any of the other kids ate it. No, nobody else, nobody else ate them. Well, well yeah, but he did give them to other kids. Yeah, but, kid. yeah. Them to him, but, but uh, I think what happened was that they were clearly tampered with because it's my understanding that they were stapled at the one end. He like cut them open, filled them full of cyanide, and then stapled them back shut. Exactly, and uh, Ooh. so like the kids were just. Lucky, I don't know. I fucking love. Well, if you see so. Timmy convulsing on the floor, you're probably not going to go for the pixie. Yeah, stick. but that was that was like long after the pixie stick was gone. Huh. Yeah. But the police came. They took them. They tested them. And some kids are stronger. Some kids have real fortitude. That's you true. Know? I've tried to poison many a child, and they don't all go down as easy. That's a good point. That's why I always double the dose. So here's here's what's real fucked up is that uh, the there was enough uh, cyanide in them uh, to kill three or four adults. That's what I'm saying. These are small children. That's what I'm saying. You double the dose. You never know. The kid could be a horse. So of course, so of course, uh, you know, Ronald McDonald O'Brien is telling me he's like, oh, I don't remember what house we got them from, and right, they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. So the police still didn't realize that he tried to kill his own kid. So they go around. Killed his own kid. Yeah, he didn't try. Dad of the year. Yeah, and you remember something like that. Like, honestly, like, like, if you get a giant pixie stick at a house, you remember what house you got it from. I mean, I guess the kids would, but I feel like as a parent... I would notice. I wouldn't be looking... I wouldn't even... I mean, I'd be... I guess I'd be trying to get my own candy, so... I'm yeah, like, I mean, notice. I was the kid that by the time I was 14, I was I had, like, four or five masks, so I'd go to the same house where I found, like, king-size Snickers bars, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just keep going to the same so guy. Yeah. I got lost. Is my daddy here? <laughs> Sir, you're 30 years old. Go so, buy your own Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so Sir, hungry. you have a job and money. You no, don't need my I'm Snickers. homeless and I'm on heroin. I'm so hungry. <laughs> heroin addicts can really clean up on Halloween night. Let's, they're like those. They're like Jimbo in The Simpsons. You know, they like beat up the kids and take their candy. Yeah, but they're on heroin. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's candy for kids, but also food for junkies. <laughs> so the cops went around. Looking at like you know all the houses they could have hit, mm-hmm. found nothing. Mm-hmm. Mind you, um, O'Brien's walking the houses with them, and uh, he leads them to a home that you know his group of almost doomed children, out of one who was definitely doomed. Um, who doomed? Who domed? Yeah, domed. Is that the past tense? Domed. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were domed. He was domed. Timothy domed. He domed. Domed for death. Um, so they they went to this one house and there wasn't anybody there. And uh, he said the owner owner of that house did not turn on the lights, but cracked open the door and handed handed him five pixie six, which I can only imagine in his mind was like, "Here you go, please get out of here." You guys like pixies? <laughs> There's some is, other kids. Hell, I think we should give out candy this year, but that's besides the point. Naked, Not with Naked and, and <laughs> just real creepy lights <laughs> off. Hope that somebody comes up. And so he gave them this account that like uh, 
they were that like you know it was this hairy guy and yada 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 Always and the house was owned by owned by this person named Courtney Melvin who was an air traffic controller at the Hobby Airport um, for her. but he wasn't home until 11 p.m. at night on Halloween so they're like definitely couldn't have been that guy so then they found out that uh, Ronald was over a hundred thousand dollars in debt mm-hmm. uh, oh my god he killed his own kid for life insurance wait 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 so <laughs> yes <gasps> so what? when he got arrested like they, they like all this bad stuff was happening he couldn't keep a job was stealing from his job his car was about to be possessed, and yes, possessed. he had taken out life possessed. 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 <laughs> possessed by demon like poisoning. Like poison demons. So, like uh, plague dogs, like the movie with John Hurt. But, Flex Lexa, you are correct. Oh, he took man. out a $10,000 life insurance policy on both of his children. So he meant, to kill, no, he meant to kill all the kids. Yeah, but the thing is, yeah, it doesn't even cover that's his debt. That's not that much money. You can take out a bigger well, life insurance Well, look, policy. yeah, you can, but not on short notice. Not the day before when you're, like, at the cyanide <laughs> store. You're like, how much life insurance can I buy with the cyanide? Is there, like, a like a combo pack? How's that well, work? one month prior, he took out an additional 20000 for both. So that's a total of 60000 So you go to Mexico, because he's already in Texas, right? So you go to Mexico with 60000 in the 80s, you're doing okay. Yeah. So the wife was like, yeah, I knew nothing about these life insurance policies, which I don't know if I believe, but don't well, say what's anything in here. Jablissa? Yeah, it's a Jablissa. Jablissa O'Brien. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, it is. That's the hamburger's maiden name. <laughs> so, and I'm pretty sure, like, when he went to go buy the poison, he even asked, like, how much of this am I going to need to kill somebody? <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to... I, I remember words in his mouth. Yeah. I, well, I remember what like there was a documentary I watched. I think it was called uh, The Candyman uh, by Clive Barker. No, it was the same guy who did the Cropsy one. Oh shoot! What was I really got Killer Legends. That. I think it was called Killer Legends, and they talk about it. And I'm pretty sure in that they mentioned that um, that uh, he was like asking whether or not how like how much of this he would need to kill somebody. Which is just like... Now it's a small child. Ridiculous. So, he was indicted for one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. And as far as I know, that is the only real case of, like, candy poisoning in the U.S., in the history of the U.S., and it was done by the own parent, not a stranger. But now, I mean, like, you remember growing up, it's like... Check Let me check your candy for fucking razor blades. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I have to say, I don't, I don't think my parents. Now, granted, I was in a candy frenzy, so <laughs> my memory may not be reliable. But I don't really remember. Gosh darn it! Um, that like my parents were ever like super worried about that. You know what I mean? And maybe that's because I just grew up in like uh, Wichita, Kansas, so it's like white people, and they never do anything against other white people. But unless I, it's your own kid. I'm yeah, right. Well, right. Ronald O'Brien was a white man. Yes. Okay. Ronald McDonald. And uh, he ended up getting the moniker of... Uh... No, you know what? I think the urban legend's older than him. His defense mainly drew upon the decades-old urban legend concerning a mad poisoner who hands out Halloween candy laced with poison. Huh. Needles or candy apples with a razor blade. Huh, so that's been around forever. That's interesting. And then the press started calling him the Candy Man. What which, a uh, fun name. He apparently does not like. 
I like it. I want to be called the Candy Girl. I'll have pockets full of candy all the time. Yeah, Skittles. people will trust you, but buttons. buttons the Candy Girl. <laughs> yeah. So it only took it took the jury forty six minutes to find O'Brien guilty. Is you that, did it. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> is that quick? That's quick, right? That's super quick. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That is the Candy Man. Yeah. That was good. It's crazy to think like something like that actually happened. Well, I yeah. think poisoning your kids is a pretty. Uh, well, because you were. Oh, we'll get to that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that kids bring out the worst in people. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know if any. Of you guys, so you kill them. Well, I don't know if you've ever babysat, but like, I can remember babysitting, thinking like, if I could kill these kids and get away with it, I would commit three murders right now. Huh. No, I've never had that thought. Oh. Well, but you know, some people do. It's weird how they never found Johnny, that kid who used to babysit. Oh, yeah. Johnny? Yeah. Johnny Appleseed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> weird, Is that right? where that started? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, but I, I mean, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Johnny. All right. Uh, so I'm going to go through this article. I think you sent this to me, Ben, the 10 infamous poisoning cases. Yes. Um, I read them all today. Um, have you guys read this article? I've I, I read it in part. I didn't okay, read the whole thing. Cool. That's cool. I'll walk you through it. Um, so it's 10 really interesting cases. And what I found a lot is cyanide and life insurance. How many of them were women? Uh, one, two, two. Two of ten? Two, but possibly three. How many of them are solved? Uh, quite a, quite a, there's only one unsolved on, oh wait, there's, no, there's two, there's two unsolved, but one is pretty much conclusively solved, just, uh, we'll get to that. So, so I'm, does this include the Tylenol murders? This does not include the Tylenol we'll murders. Do that next. We'll do that after the, uh, I know, I'll go down this list and we can like spend a little bit of time on each one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, okay. We're going to start with Dr. Robert Ferrante. Ferrante. What do you think that is? Spanish? Probably. Probably or Italian. Some or kind of Asian. No, definitely not. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe Brazilian. Ferrante. I like saying I it. I don't think so this was in, uh, he was, so he this was, insane. <laughs> he was, uh, it, it was in April 2013, um, oh. that People still do this. Dr. Robert yeah. Ferrante, uh, murdered his wife, neurologist Autumn Klein. Um, Autumn was 22. I know that because I listened to the 911 tape, which is about 11 minutes long, and he... They asked how old she is, and I don't think I think from this picture, if he was convicted in two thousand, he was convicted in two thousand fourteen. But in the picture, he looks like he's in his fifties. Would you say? Minimum. Minimum. Yeah, it could just have aged early going through trial. Do that. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. All that poison. I, I think he was at least 10, 10 or fifteen years older than her. Oh, okay. Um, not that that makes a difference. Yeah. But no, so she was a hot Yeah. What was he thinking? She was a neurologist at 22, though. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. In, that's I mean, I'm just... How is it even possible with all that med school? Um, different country. No. Oh. This is not a different country. This is Pennsylvania. That's Pretty much a different, a different country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the jury was swayed in part by 911 auto... Mm-hmm. 911 <laughs> audio, in which they could hear Dr. Klein in distress and struggling to breathe in the background. Um, so I listened to a little bit of the 911 tape, and it was like, you could hear her gasping. I personally thought she sound, he, and I, and Frank made a point earlier, which was like, 
Can I say your name? I already said it. Should I just start over and say Dick Fetty? It's too late. <laughs> Dick, Fetty, Dick Fetty made a point earlier, which was like, you really can't tell how someone's going to react under stress. There's been so many, like, just as an aside, like, so many rape victims that were, like, seen as not, like, behaving the right way after a rape, and so their case was, like, completely denied, and then afterwards they find out it actually happened, um, because we assume how people should act under stress. So, but listening to the 911 tape, knowing he was guilty, I was like, this guy's so full of shit. Um, <laughs> like, and he, he, he has this part where he's like, no, please, please, and like literally in that voice, and I was like, oh my god. Some people talk weird. Yeah, so you really, you really don't know, but they the said. weird wet slapping in the back. Yeah, she was. Oh god, I hate you guys so much. Ugh. Can we honor Autumn and not disgrace her? We're not disgracing her. We're disgracing him. Yeah, and we're talking about it on live radio television. That's true. Um, So he killed her apparently because she wanted to have another kid. Right. And pretty reasonable. Right. That's what you should do. And he also believed that she wanted to divorce him. So. He didn't want another kid, but he wanted to keep her married, but then he thought, why don't I just kill her? Seems way simple. I mean, if she's dead, they can't get divorced. Yeah. No life insurance motive in this, though. Just good old-fashioned kids. Um, yeah, he got the cyanide uh, for stem cell experiments related to his research in ALS. <laughs> how, do these, how do these stem cells uh, deal with the cyanide? Up oh, they're dead. <laughs> Perfect. I feel like I could do that research. So this was, um, this isn't super, well, okay, I'm going to say it's not super interesting because only one person died and she was super <laughs> old, which, like, isn't cool. Ouch. One yeah. foot in the grave, the other one on the gas, you know. So this is April 2003. That's pretty good. 16 members <coughs> of Gustav Adolf, should have thought of a different name, Evangelical Lutheran Church uh, was in, was in Gustav Adolf. Yeah. Say Adolf. I'm a Jew, I don't fucking know. Um, this was in Maine, and the whole, like, community fell ill after they had this coffee that was brewed in a certain urn. Um, so, brewed in an urn? Yeah. And, like, a coffee urn. Like, you've never seen one of those big pots? I know you have. What, the ground we have at Wymo? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's an urn? Uh-huh. I always thought urns were for dead people. They are. There's no, like, the one I have at my house. house. Like, a big the, old... The big metal one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called percolator. an urn. Percolator. It's an urn, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Look at that. So, Walter Reed Morrell, age 78, he died from the side effects, and 15 others were seriously ill. So, they say this is unsolved. They consider it unsolved. But five days after the meeting, congregation member David Bondison, age 53, committed suicide. Anybody died? Anybody died from that coffee? <laughs> pretty good coffee. One I went out of my way. I got that organic. Anyway, I'm going to go kill myself. <laughs> so he killed himself. And he left a, su- a suicide note that read like a confession to the mass poisoning. Um, but the contents of the note have never been made public. The case is still considered I know. So wait, was his goal to murder more people or just one old man? <laughs> I'm going to get that Walter. It was well, he was the guy. Oh, um, oh was God. it? Okay, now we're just assuming gender, too. His name... Oh, okay. You know, it could be a her, Walter. Probably yeah. not. I meant to say that this article is by Steve Puff, and it comes from Crime Watch Daily. I should probably say my sources. Crime Watch is a pretty good site. Chris Hansen. Yeah. Um, is he just really bad at poisoning that, like, the like the only 
person that died was old and they were already halfway there? I don't know, but I mean, maybe that guy had a heart condition. Maybe it was the coffee. Yeah. Maybe it was just bad coffee. Well, they tested But the beer, this right? is my point. I mean, but the thing is, like, poisoning somebody via a drink, that's not easy. Like, if I drink coffee, well, okay. Oh if I drink coffee and it tastes like poison, I'd probably still finish it because I love coffee. My dad drank an entire mug of, he put right. OxyClean in his coffee instead of creamer and drank the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. How does that happen? Yeah, and he sat down with my mom and, at, like, very seriously looked her in her eyes and was like, are you trying to kill me? The answer was yes. I was comically no. Also, how, like he's like obviously he, he that's did a it weird name over the course creamer. of several days, and it wasn't until he was like, I thought it was weird when I was staring at all these geometric patterns really coming. I was like foaming and stuff. My dad is also the one who took an entire Seroquel and went to work thinking it was an ibuprofen. He's very little situational awareness. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah no I got yeah. what yeah. It's a long story. My mom was not trying to poison him. Anyway. Are you sure? I'm positive. For the record. For the record. Your honor. Um, so this one's actually really cool. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. The assassination of Georgi Markov. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you heard of it, Frank? Yeah. So he was a... Because it's, like, super cool. It's, like, spy shit. Um, Bulgarian defector Georgi Markov had escaped his communist home country for the United Kingdom in 1969, became a successful BBC journalist. Sick. He used his freedom to slam Bulgaria's rulers, and that obviously didn't go over too cool with Bulgaria. Um, like, so hey, Bulgaria, how do you like poison? Bulgaria, <laughs> Bulgaria reached out to who? The poison. motherfucking KGB. KGB. You know. They didn't reach out. KGB was like, we're doing this. That- Bulgaria was like, we're in, okay. So he was walking in London in 1978 when a man carrying an innocent-seeming umbrella... Yeah fired a pellet of the deadly poison ricin from the umbrella into his leg. Ricin, yeah. Markov died within within days in great respect. I love ricin. I think it is the coolest poison. It is a really cool poison. Yeah. Um, does it taste like rice? No. It, it does. Um, it's used by oh, ancient Chinese poison. Walt, Walter White in Breaking Bad. It sure is. Um, which I love. Can we go one episode without talking about Breaking Bad? We have this is the only it. episode. I know. But why don't you stop being salty over there? All these flavors, Frank, and you choose to be salty. <laughs> salt <laughs> is Zing. how they used to pay Roman soldiers. It's a classy <laughs> season. Alexa, what's that over there? Right next to you. Ba, ba. Is, that, is that Frank's goat? <laughs> that's a, no, that's a lamb. Goat? You just bleated like a lamb. Goats sound like... Wow, you you really got his goat. I sure did. You're the goat. So, um, there's been many suspects in Markov's assassination, including a mysterious Italian national thought to be living in Denmark, but the case remains an essential Cold War mystery. My favorite kind. They were like, whatever, he's Bulgarian. He's not even a person. Okay. (laughs) Wait, What? The, the British government, they don't care. They yeah. don't care about their own people. Back in the Cold War, everybody's disposable. Okay, so this is Orville Lynn Majors. Is this the guy who made Orville Redenbacher? Uh, yeah. How did you know? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of brand names. So he was essentially an angel of death. Um, yeah. You guys know what that is? The uh, guy who kills in the hospital. Doctor or yeah. that poisons people. Yeah. Um, but his, his motives weren't like... He was like, like letting them go and passing them on to the other side. Like he was sort of just killed old people that pissed him off. <laughs> um, so he's like that nurse you don't want to get mad. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Um, so I don't. 
I can't decline this call, so let's all hold well, on for a second. Well, <laughs> did you guys uh, hear about the Canadian nurse that uh, was recently tried for murdering people? No. I, I can't remember exactly how many she killed, but, like, she was telling the cops that, like, God sent her on this mission to kill people because he wanted them back. There's a, and, there's a uh, whole bunch. Mostly angels of death are women, um, but there have been a few men. But, yeah, so he uh, was convicted in 1999 of killing six patients. Um, he went to prison for life, but he mounted a vigorous defense stating that he was just blamed for, like, poorly executed medical things. Um, but they investigated him, and they saw that they suspected him of playing a, a major role in up to uh, the deaths of 100 patients. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I do know about that. And he injected them with potassium chloride. Which um, is what? It's a drug that's often used in lethal injections. Ooh. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> Party on, I, I found I found the article about the killer nurse from Canada. I just want to read the tagline real quick, which is, She didn't brag. She didn't leave clues. She killed her patients, then went home to play computer games. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, it's recent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sorry. living I your best life. I saw it. I, oh, I love it. I wonder so if she good. played Second Life. Or was she good enough in her first? You know what I mean? Because mm. I feel like that's almost like uh, farming for XP. You know, like in an MMO, like you just like you just like wail on like bunny rabbits until you can like level up super high. It's like super boring. You just grind forever. That's what I was doing like, in Horizon this morning. Right? Yeah. You just kill old people mm. until you're like the next level killer, and mm. you can kill on like that like next tier. Mm. You know what I mean? Or even like skip a bunch of tiers because you killed so many old people. Go straight to like babies. Or however, I don't know what the scale is, but <laughs> it's robots. old people, babies, robots. And then what about people, people? They're definitely number four. Like in in terms of hardness, like they're the hardest difficulty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like white white men wrestlers. Yeah, wrestlers. Okay. Stella Nickel. Um. So she. Um. Tried to piggyback off of the Tylenol poisonings, right? So in June 1986. A few years after the Tylenol poisonings, which oh, yeah, right. Yeah. This is in Illinois, right? This was, uh, no, this is in Washington. Oh, um, but the Tylenol mur murders were in Chicago. Um, uh, so he left work with a headache, he took four Excedrin, and he collapsed. He died in the hospitals. <laughs> and, in hospitals, in the hospital. And, um, multiple hospitals. They were like, <laughs> they, um, Thought it was his emphysema, but then a week later, Susan Snow took some of Excedrin and collapsed on her bathroom floor, and they realized that Susan had died from cyanide poisoning. So there was other like there was a bunch of fear that um, another Tylenol thing was like happening. Yeah. And but after a few weeks, it turned back on Bruce's wife, Stella. Um, Stella. So she was under indictment for product tampering. Um, police believe she sought the payouts from her husband's life insurance. And had orchestrated the product poisoning that ended up killing Susan Snow as a cover-up. So basically, she wanted to kill her husband, but she also had to kill another person to make it look to make like. it look real. Now, was this after they had enacted all those super stringent product tampering federal laws? I mean, this is '86, and the Tylenol stuff like went into effect in I don't know. I think like right after. So, right after or right before? Cause it, I mean, it would have been before if they thought it was the same thing. Um, 
It was not 1982 that the Tylenol stuff happened, and 1986 that this murder happened. Right, so my point being, like, not to get political, but back when Congress was able to pass legislation effectively... Zing. Yeah, they were, I'm sure, I think they passed, like, the... So they had these federal anti-tampering laws mm-hmm. that were, like, a direct result of the Tylenol murders, which was, if you monkey with products, like, and it... You know, whether it's state lines, interstate commerce, or whatever, there's, like, a bunch of common law that comes in with this. But basically, like, you can be tried for federal, it's a federal offense to do that, to mess with, like, products, like, tamper with them and whatever. So it'd be like if you did something to a Nerf gun that it would, like, then injure somebody later or, like, did something to a car or whatever. So, I mean, she murdered somebody, so she's going to jail for murder. Well, she was, it says here she was under indictment for product tampering. Yeah, so so there you go. Yeah, so the guy answered my In regard. This is an old-timey one. Ooh. Yeah, this is uh, 1881. That's old-time music. Um, a couple, uh, couple rag, ragtime heroes here. <laughs> yeah, that's what we are. <laughs> that's what they call us. So, um, Thomas Neal Cream. Don't <laughs> 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 you guys just get that out real quick. That's like jizz. Yeah, um, that's a sperm. So, uh, he had a sketchy background. Of, of course he did. Dead. He was from the old times. They had to sketch everything. They didn't have cameras. Uh, um, <laughs> um, There's actually a sketch so right he, above that article, too. In 1881, <laughs> it's true, he uh, poisoned his uh, his lover's husband. Mm. Um, the coroner assumed the victim died from natural causes, but um, he was like, let's exhume that body and look a little closer, which is pretty chill for, like, old-timey times, normally they're just like, yep. Well, they just wanted to diddle the corpse. Clearly. Let's get real. And then they were like, there's poison in this bottom <laughs> hole. Um, so, uh, strychnine was found in the victim's stomach. Does anyone know anything about strychnine? Yeah, they, like, they say that they cut it with, like, acid with it. And I don't know, I've taken acid a lot of times. Yeah, I've never had a problem. Well, no, but I mean, they say, like, so, like, when I would do, like, not as good acid, like, it would feel like your body was kind of seizing more, and so we were always like, ah, oh, this is, like, been cut with strychnine. I don't know how true that is. Like, you make up all sorts of stuff when you do drugs. Like, this yeah. cocaine's got baby laxatives. I don't think they use baby laxatives. Uh-huh. I think that's an urban legend. Uh-huh. But that's all I know about strychnine. Okay, cool. Next person. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> obviously suspicion arose, and this literally says, suspicion. However, he requested exhumation, strychnine was found in the victim's stomach, and suspicion arising from his request fingered Dr. Cream. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so the doctor looked up his own, or it was like the... It was the coroner. Okay. Right, and they fingered Dr. Cream. They fingered cream. the cream out yeah, of the so doctor. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure the name of this episode mm-hmm. is going to be called Tylenol and Fingering Dr. Cream. <laughs> yeah. Fingering Dr. Cream's Tylenol Dream. <laughs> <laughs> yes! So he gets imprisoned, um in the Jolette, Illinois State Penitentiary, but in true old-fashioned time, he was released on good behavior just uh, ten years later. Well, he's a white guy, right? That's true, yeah. And he's a doctor. He poisoned one dude. I feel like ten years in the clink for poisoning is, like, pretty reasonable. He ends up um, in the London slums afterwards where he kills as many as five more people with poison. Uh, Um, Well, that's just (laughs) cleaning up the slums. (laughs) That's like, this guy's like a public service dude. So Are we he, sure it was on purpose? Is he Mr. Yes, Rogers? It's definitely, and this is the origin story of Mr. Rogers. I think it's like the origin of the character, right? Yeah. So he gets caught and sentenced to hang, and there's a legend that as he's being hung, he screams, I am Jack, and then gets cut off, adding another suspect to who could be 
Jack yeah, the but Jack the Ripper wouldn't slice and then poison. Yeah, that's kind of backpedaling. Do we do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Historically, <laughs> though, women use poison to kill. That's because we're petty. Is it? They, your words. To be fair, female murderers are a lot better than men because they think about it longer. Mm-hmm. Men act all impulse. Women plan that shit out. Yeah. I get a boner. I need to kill it right there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, a murder brother. Yeah. Yeah. Men are yeah. giant, giant meat stacks for, you know, just want to be stabbing stuff, either yeah. with knives or peens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. Or bludgeoning. That's another classic male way to do it. Mm. So, Paul Curry. This one's an interesting poison. You tell us that. Okay. Um, so, it took 20 years for uh, him to get convicted. But uh, he was, uh, oh. he killed his wife, Linda Curry. Um, was she a real bitch? Is that why they were like, we don't know if we should send this guy to jail. So, basically, he, the motive was money, um, uh, believe life insurance, and, uh, so basically he followed, fed his wife sleeping pills and then injected her with a deadly dose of nicotine. Mm. Um. She loved to smoke. Which you think would be a smart idea, but she didn't smoke. <laughs> so, like, what the fuck? Was like, he a smoker? I don't know. I don't know, but, like, Linda was a non-smoker, so people were like, why is all this nicotine in her system? Um, it took two decades to put the case together, but once he went to trial, it became clear he might have tried to poison others. Uh, his ex-wife was like, I was really sick our whole marriage. That's weird. Um, so he got sentenced to life in prison. Um... You ready for the next one? Oh, yeah. Every day of my okay. life. James Hurley. Keon. Keon? Keanu. Keanu Reeves. Wow. James Keon. Okay. Um, so like he was arrested uh, and went on trial in 2008 for the 2004 antifreeze poisoning of his wife, Julie. Um, uh, he just... That's... That's real MacGyver, just use whatever you can find. Well, he had crippling debt, and he had a $250,000 payout for life insurance on Julie. Um, so he spiked her Gatorade with antifreeze um, you know that for, like, a long-ass time. There is a popular, I don't know, popular movement is not the right word, but there's many a Finnish homeless guy who drinks antifreeze hmm. in the wintertime. And it's become so popular because it's so cheap. They do it in Russia too, but in Finland it's like the big gauche thing right now. And uh, people just drink antifreeze as a choice, like when they have money for other booze. So how Does do it they fuck not you up? die? Well, I think that they like do some kind of filtering process, maybe or maybe not. But I think that like it's like people who drink mouthwash. Like you can get away with it for quite a while yeah. before it like turns your insides into jelly. Yeah. Well, she was doing it for a really long time, and there you go. He was sentenced to life in prison. Did he kill her? <laughs> yeah, she died. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point. Alright, Poor I, lady. I was not paying attention. This one's, uh... Just drinking a whole lot of blue Gatorade their whole marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Why is my blue Gatorade always green? I don't know, that's so weird. Let me get some more Windex. <laughs> or, that's not antifreeze. No, but... <laughs> Let me get more antifreeze. Windex freezes. So, yeah. this is Angela Rodriguez. Um... She, uh... She's a large woman. She's not very cute. No. Um, but, it, you know, look at her. pretty is subjective. Is it? Yeah, it's in the eye of the beholder. Yikes. If you're blonde. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm sorry. She's a horrible person. That's right. She is horrible. Who did she kill? I want to hear... It's pretty fucked up. Okay. So, she also used antifreeze. Um, 
but she tried it first. So she had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar life insurance policy on her husband as well. Uh. So first she made she made three separate attempts at trying to kill her husband. First she used oleander, which is I don't know if you guys know white oleander. It's no. a flower that is supposed to be super poisonous and deadly. Um, I know that from the movie White Oleander, which is super super good. You should watch it. It's got Heather. Uh, Lockwear. Nope. No, oh, yeah. Nope. Not Heather. Not Heather. Um, what was it with Hurley? Just listen. Jesus Christ, what's her name? Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. Michelle Pfeiffer and <laughs> the girl from, um... Just gonna take it doesn't matter. Whatever, watch it. Wait, only end it. So, that only upset his stomach. It didn't kill him. <laughs> um, so Honey, this curry tastes weird, like flowers. <laughs> gotta take a dump. <laughs> Why are you feeding... Why is all we eat for dinner flowers? <laughs> is this even real salad? What bees now, honey? What bees? <laughs> So she segued um, at an attempt at carbon monoxide poisoning, but they don't say how she tried to do that, but it didn't work. So her third attempt on Frank was an antifreeze spiked sports Are we drink. Are or not, honey? So I guess antifreeze must like blend in sports drinks pretty well. Yeah, because, because of the color. Yeah. What color is it? Blue or green. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and apparently that killed him, and he only like... I mean, it doesn't say that she did it over a period of time. It sounds like she just did it once. But I guess here's my thing. So, like, I I have never drank antifreeze. Mm-hmm. I have drank blue Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Blue Gatorade is a blue Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you notice there's antifreeze in it? I feel like you would. I feel like you would. Yeah. Like, are, are these, is this just, like, your dad, but, like, the dad who didn't make it, like, a bunch of times over? Yeah. Or, like, <laughs> the, the female version of your dad? Probably. Just, like, no awareness, like, hmm, Gatorade's off today. She didn't even try. She just put a bottle of antifreeze and wrote Gatorade and Sharpie yeah. across right. it and put I mean, it in the fridge. Because, like, yeah, if you, go, if you go to the gas station and you buy antifreeze, it's in, like, a big old jug, and it's, like, $2. So it's, like, a good thing I'm cheap to poison with. It's not, like, buying mm-hmm. cyanide. But, like... I've never drank my antifreeze, but I'm pretty sure I would be like, this is like antifreeze. Mm. I mean, that'd be a good a bonus episode we try some antifreeze. It'd be like the ice bucket challenge, except we'll yeah. just chug a gallon of antifreeze. Yeah. That sounds like the end of this Viewer, podcast. Viewers. What are they called? Voters? Viewers? Listeners. <laughs> Listeners. We're going to have a poll to see who, if all of us, should drink antifreeze. We're, I'm going to workshop this. <laughs> we'll come back to this. Yeah, um, I want Dick Fetty to do it. They just call it all voted for me. Do it, do yeah, it. Yeah, the fucking upvote thing that we do, your name will just be like really big and different colors. It'll be like Dick Fetty. Yeah. It'll be like, I don't know. Be like, well, this one looks fun, so yeah. let's do that. The yeah. funnest name. Uh, so Rodriguez, um, they uncovered that in 1993 after they figured out she killed her husband. Dick Fetty, please stop creating static on the podcast. Fetty on Fetty on. <laughs> uh, in 1993, she killed her baby. She um, <laughs> broke the kids. Why is it funny? I just think. Never mind. You know what? It doesn't really matter. She Why broke the kids' pacifier and then choked the baby to death and sued the so pacifier he's just like a company. Jerk. Oh, okay. Well, when you mean choke the baby, well. Did she, like, show uh, it there, or did she, like, break it, being like, they'll totally believe that he'll choke on this by my hands around his throat? I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds like that that's detail. what she did. Yes. Yeah, so, stupid. that's... The judge who pronounced her death sentence said in two decades on the bench, he had never seen a colder heart. Hmm. So. Cold Yeah. That's a good song. But what, where was that? Did they give you the state? Um... 
Yeah, I can look it up real quick. No, I don't care that much. Okay. So this one is unsolved as well. So Chicago resident, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Urju, it wasn't too bad. Urju Khan picked up a lottery ticket at the convenience store um, near his house in June 2012, hit the jackpot, $1 million. Bought right? a bunch of tarantulas and cocaine. The day after he received the lump sum payout, uh, he died. Well, that'll happen. Yeah. So many people thought it was a natural death. But then after an examination... Who thinks it's a natural death? Mm -hmm. Oh, your guy just won the lottery, died, and his wife's in fucking Cabo. Well... It was a natural death of virus. It was one. a deadly dose it's a of cyanide. some of them. Anyway. It was a deadly dose of cyanide. Um, How is it natural? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he went over to the cyanide bush and fell in. Spent all his money on cyanide. It's got a crowd has got to stop. I've seen it happen too many times. Yeah. When the lottery start drinking cyanide mixed with antifreeze. Cyanide. Shut up, Dick Fetty. <laughs> so a lot of the suspicion was directed at his wife because um, she tried to cash Khan's winning check almost immediately after her husband died. Nice. How is that suspicion? However, like motive. to this day, Khan's death is considered unsolved. Because she paid off all the cops. She's yeah. like, look, you got all this cash from Azul. <laughs> what you think about this? I got a bunch of assignment left. Yeah, but it's, from it's, like, it's like the gift of the Magi. <laughs> like, like you, your husband's dead and you got the money, but then you would use all the money to pay off all the cops. I don't that's think true. she used it all of like it. the gift of the Magi. It's exactly, exactly like, like that. the gift of yeah, the Magi. Yeah. That's what the gift of the Magi is based on. It's true. Lottery. <laughs> so to the mass. that concludes um, ten. Our list of fun. Ten infamous poisoning cases by Steve Huff. Thank you, Steve. I plagiarized a lot from you. The Huff. No, that wasn't. We just we just read it aloud. Yeah. Yeah. We claim it as our own. No. I. And plagiarism's not a crime. FYI, people think it's a crime. It's just not. at universities. It's not a crime. You can't go it's to jail criminal. for it. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Buff never went to jail. Shia LaBeouf, I like him. Yeah, he's an actual cannibal. Crime watch, crime watch. So, do you want to talk about Tylenol murders? Do you guys yeah. want to go to the big event? Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. So boom, I just boom, I want to preface this by saying, um, so uh, I'm an avid, uh, I'm a, I'm a noise guy. I listen to noise music. Uh, it's kind of an oxymoron. The power electronics, industrial, and all that good stuff. And uh, for those those listeners out there who may be aware of it or tangentially aware of it, uh, the big homeboy from the United States, the the, the heavy hitter, if you will, is uh, Purient, aka Dominic Fernow, and he's released many cassettes, records, CDs, the whole nine. He's been active for over twenty years, and um, he did a. Uh, a compilation CD that came out in 2008 called Cocaine Death, which was several tapes put together on one CD. Was it about cocaine and death? Yeah. So uh, the first and last track nice. are uh, unreleased, and then uh, two and three are from Cocaine Death cassette tape, four and five were from the Caribbean Overdose cassette tape, and six and seven were from the Tylenol Murders cassette tape, which was a private uh, cassette release limited to 20. And... Um, I was in college when this came out, I'm a big Perrant fan, and I listen to this CD a lot, and all this, the, the notes about that stuff are listed in the, the liner notes for the, the booklet and whatnot, so I'm like, the Tylenol murders, I was like, what's, what's this about, what, what are the Tylenol murders, so I googled it back in the day, and I, I learned about it then, and uh, it was interesting to me, and then 
I think it was around that time. I forget if it was either the Prius stuff was happening, the Toyota Prius, like they had the failing brake and the, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. All these people were dying and Priuses were driving off the road. Or it was like a Bridgestone, Firestone tire failure. But concurrent with me learning about this, there was this big PR disaster for one of the two, one of those two companies. And they talked about how when the Tylenol murders happened, and we'll get into this, um, you know, uh, Tylenol's response, or I guess it was Johnson, 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 Johnson yeah. response uh, was, was so good mm -hmm. that they were able to, um, like, basically stay in business because they handled the whole situation so well. And they responded to what was happening by, like, admitting what was going on, taking precautions, removing their product from the market. Yeah, over $100 million in product they pulled off the market. Yeah, and they, they took those temporary losses and came back that much stronger later because people were like, wow, this is a company who cares about human life. And like Bridgestone, Firestone, and, and Toyota were mm -hmm. like, it's your fault. Yeah. Like, you guys, <laughs> it's your fault. You guys shouldn't have driven your car, driven your car so much. You, you're a fool. And, uh, and like wouldn't admit to it and still like don't admit to those product failures. And when companies don't issue recalls, like they always undermine public confidence. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, companies like Johnson & Johnson were able to like step up and say like, this is going on, this isn't our fault, but like we want to... We want to be the first to say, like, don't risk yeah. your life to get rid of a headache. Yeah. You know, that really did well for them in the in the future. And also, I can highly recommend the Cocaine Death CD. It's still readily available. It was later repressed on vinyl. It's kick-ass stuff. And the, uh, the Cocaine Death Dog of Addiction, the two sides to the Cocaine Death tape, are so good. Um, you know, check it out on Spotify or on the, on the, the interwebs or buy it or whatever. Good, good stuff. Really good stuff. Fun fact about Johnson & Johnson, uh, my grandfather used to work for them, and uh, he was up for a promotion to be like VP or something like that. And they made him a Tylenol tester? Well, they were like, no, you're, you're, you're a Jew. You can't, you can't, we're not going to give this to you. Right. So he sued the shit out of them and won. Did he? Uh, yes. Did he get a big-ass payout? So much money. Yeah. Is this your racist grandfather? Yes, it's my slightly racist grandfather. Slightly. slightly. Well, you know, like old person, like old person racists were like, they don't racist. think racism Still is like, racist. you know, yeah, he's racist. Yeah. But I'm not saying he's a bad guy. God, I hope my mom doesn't listen to it. He's <laughs> so mad. Well, they don't know who you are. My mom said today she really wants to listen to it, so. Oh, good. Yeah, great. So for the whole first episode, I, I, I just, no. <laughs> just saying. So let's get into the Tylenol murders. Um, they um, were in the Chicago metropolitan area in 1982 um, when... So much bad stuff happens in Chicago. A lot of bad stuff. a terrible place. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy, John Chicago. John Wayne Gacy, yeah. uh, H.H. H. H. Holmes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Chicago, Chicago, you are lit, by the way. Yeah, well, like, they were also like murder shit. capital of the world for the past couple of years. The Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why you gotta That's, be on? Yeah. Michael Jordan play for them? I don't know. Is that yes. a real question? I don't know sport things. Did you the, I saw you're Space the one with Jam. Sports, sports family. Yes, yes. He played for the Chicago Bulls. In Space Jam? No, he was a baseball player. No, he Space did Jam. play. No, yeah, that was in, close. at the end of Space Jam, he, he was in the Bulls. the Bulls. Everybody get up. It's time to jam now. Yeah, because movie. of that movie, I pretended to be interested in basketball. I was interested in bunnies after that. Yeah. <laughs> So it'll have an effect what? on everyone here. Bunnies with breasts? Yeah. Oh, uh, I get the it. the best bunnies. Lola? Yeah. Lola was hot. Yeah. I'll give you that. She's not, she's not, talk about rabbits 
And bunnies, Jessica Rabbit. That's a yeah. whole nother kind of bunny. Is she a rabbit? She's a honey no. bunny. She's no. just a human. No, she's yeah. a honey bunny. Like, that's kind of, it's like a honey pot. Right. Like a lady who's also like a rabbit. And fucking a rabbit. No. No. Oh, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was definitely <laughs> fucking a rabbit. Yeah, yeah. he was getting it. Stacked. What, what was his name? Roger Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> the name of the movie? I, Who know, framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> like, let me and let me let me just back it up even further and say that the guy whose name escapes me in Roger Rabbit, the guy who's the detective, the guy who hates to was me, drunk the entire time. Yeah, no, he's a raging alcoholic, mm-hmm. and he's also like drunk in the movie. And I watched the movie as a young adult. I was like, this is a movie about an alcoholic. This is not even about like this. <laughs> it's like a sex addict rabbit, like a super maniac rabbit's killer. Rabbit's not a sex addict. Roger's not a sex addict. He just loves his wife, okay. and then. He gets shown pictures of his wife playing patty cake with another man. Yeah. Oh. And wow. that's like his sex game. No. He was sad. Yeah. He was sad because she was sex gaming with another that boy. That movie's about alcoholism uh-huh. and tune murder. Tune genocide. <laughs> Tunicide. Yeah, tunicide. That doesn't sound <laughs> like it. <laughs> sounds like we're killing him, but yeah. <laughs> Well, Tuna's not. That's this is dolphin. I'm gonna. Tyler, I'm murders. gonna stop you guys. All right. Because I feel like we're already <laughs> pretty far in here. Uh huh. So we'll do. Uh, far into what? Not as far as. Never mind. So, basically, uh, we know the whole premise, right? So in Chicago, Illinois, a bunch of Tylenol bottles are bought and they are laced. They have been laced with um, potassium cyanide, obviously cyanide. Um, so the first, the first murder that happens is on the morning of September 29th, 1982, 12-year-old, which is so fucking sad, Mary Kellerman dies after taking a capsule of extra strength Tylenol. And, and, and at this point, it becomes a comedy of errors for the next couple days. Absolutely. The police have no idea what's going on, and what's more tragic is what happens next, which is, um, I believe on the same day, Adam Janis of Arlington Heights. Um, dies in the hospital later that day. Right? So Adam Adam Janis takes it. He dies in the hospital. Adam's family gathers at his house to mourn his loss. And there... Well, their loss is death. Did, yeah. That's what I meant. Did I not be, say that right? To be fair, it did cure their headaches. Um, nobody's, yeah. nobody's laughing. I'm, I'm not laughing. I'm, I'm, I'm just stating facts. That's so, um, Adam's brother Stanley and his sister-in-law Teresa um, take Tylenol while they're all gathered at the house to mourn his death, and they drop to the floor. I think Teresa is a great name for a victim. <laughs> How long have you thought about this? It's not that long. <laughs> I feel like you have a list of Teresas somewhere in your bedroom. Frank, and why are you holding a hammer? Why are you holding a hammer, Frank? <laughs> Dick Fitty, no! So, yeah, that's really fucking sad. Could you fucking imagine? Like, yeah. No, I mean, but I'm saying comedy errors. Like, Con- you're like, you know what? I need a Tylenol for this event. It's like a commercial for Tylenol, <laughs> but, like, not the commercial they make. But the it worst ends. commercial yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, I really got this raging, raging headache. I'm just going pop Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I'm dead. Same bottle. Th- this is why well, I'm not ibuprofen, man. point, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Although, I think that's more because of the drinking. They always said if I took Tylenol and drank, I would die. Really? Yeah, it's because it's hard on your liver. I went, I'm not going to go into it, but I used to take a lot of Tylenol PM. Um, because, you know. And I'm sure your liver is super thankful for Yeah, that. definitely. I'm in the best of health. More like dialing on, am I right? <laughs> what? 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 
So they all die. Um, and then in the coming days, Mary McFarlane um, dies of Elmhurst, Illinois. Paula Prince of Chicago dies. And Mary Reiner of Winfield, they all die. Um, so invest Is all white people? Uh, I don't know. I didn't look up the races. I'm just, they sound white. They do sound I white. I wonder if ibuprofen's like a more ethnic, ethnic friendly, or maybe African American people just don't get Tylenol. Anyway. Jesus fucking Christ. I know, it's not, it's, I think that's a fair Ooh, question. Everybody get up, it's time to jam now. now. Okay, that's going to be our cool down song. <laughs> I thought it was Rich Girl. Okay, so investigators soon discover the tie and Um So urgent warnings were broadcast. Police literally drove through the Chicago neighborhoods, issuing warnings on loudspeakers, telling people not to take time at all. Um, they all came from, all the tampered with bottles came from different factories, and they all occurred in the Chicago area, so the possibility of sabotage during production was ruled out. Uh, instead, the culprit apparently had gone and acquired Tylenol bottles from different stores, put the cyanide in, and then returned to the stores and put the Tylenol back on the shelf. I have a question because yes. I don't actually know that much about this case. So, like, do you just sprinkle some in there or do you, like, trade them out? So, they like... were they were capsules, which oh. is the big thing. And they, they yeah, this was the thing that, like, they ended up doing away with because of this. Like, he just sort of split them open and put cyanide in and then put them back together. Okay. Yeah, so for any kids who've ever done, like, the molly where it's like you gotta like pill it yourself mm -hmm. that's a capsule yeah whereas like the the hard pills that we now take yeah adderall, adderall like the has, 30s yeah. the 30s like the xrs or whatever but uh that's what i've heard um but now like you get the caplets which are like the hardened pills mm -hmm. it's like what they did anyways yeah so yeah <laughs> go on okay um, yeah, so Johnson & Johnson really fucking stepped up on this. They distributed warnings to hospitals, distributors, they halted Tylenol production and advertising on October 5th, 1982, so it happened on September 29th. They put everything together over the coming days, and then on October 5th, uh, it issued a nationwide recall of Tylenol products. Like, this only happened in the Chicago area, and they did a nationwide recall. How many people actually died? Uh, eight, I believe. Um, okay. it was seven people seven people died um so yeah like i said they an estimated 31 million bottles were in circulation with a retail value of over 100 million dollars the company also advertised in the national media for individuals not to consume any of its products that contained acetaminophen and um johnson and johnson offered to exchange all tylenol capsules already purchased by the public for solid tablets so like <laughs> they won't even give you your money but like, we're not going to give you a refund <laughs> but we'll give you more Tylenol <laughs> so yeah just give them bottles and say now cyanide free um, there were a few suspects um, so the, the main one was James William Lewis so he sent a letter to Johnson & Johnson demanding one million dollars to stop the cyanide induced murders so police, which is so dumb, like, do you think they're not going to fucking find you? And after everything Johnson Johnson's done, do you think they're going to, like, pony up $100 million to Well, it? and here's the, here's the bigger thing. Don't do crimes that involve the mail. <laughs> Don't send a ransom note in the mail. Now it's a federal crime. 
Yeah, like, that's true. Dumb. And federal is bad. Like yeah. that's not the place because like it's just don't don't do it. Yeah. Probably. If you're gonna commit crimes, hand deliver your notes. Mm-hmm. Federal prison apparently not, not fun. fun. Yeah, no. not fun. No, really? that's like the red yeah. prison. Is it? I mean, all prisons are rape. Although rape I did prisons. There's a there's a there's a I don't know if it's new, but there's a podcast that's done by two inmates that sounds pretty cool. Huh. They just like talk to like other inmates about like what prison life's like. I don't know if they're federal though. But yeah, uh, federal fuck you in the ass prison. Not a good place to go. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Jesus. Tell me in the ass prison. I think yeah. it is. I could be a friend to you here. <laughs> so uh, police linked him oh, with no, the crimes. And he and his wife were living in New York City at the time. So he was convicted of extortion. And he served 13 years of a 20-year sentence and was released in 1995 on parole. Um, so basically they were like, this guy didn't do, do it. They were, he was in New York the whole time. A jackass. Um, so, but on WCVB Channel 5 of Boston. <laughs> WCVTV <laughs> Channel 5. <laughs> Civic TV. It's the one you take to bed with you. Um, he uh, reported that court documents released in early 2009 showed that the Department of Justice investigators concluded Lewis was responsible for the poisonings despite the fact that they did not have enough evidence to charge him. So Lewis, he's out, um, but he denies responsibility. Yeah, but again, like, I, I mean, so one of the things that we, like, I've read a lot about and looking at, like, especially the unsolved investigations and stuff like that, like, for all different cases... Like, they talk about, like, in JonBenet Ramsey, they say, like, oh, we had enough evidence to convict the parents. Or, like, no, we didn't have the evidence, but, mm-hmm. like, we wanted to go for that. Or, like, whatever. Like, again, that's still, like, the prosecutor's discretion. Or, like, whoever, like, the, you know, whoever's prosecuting the case, like, that's their decision on, like, the narrative they're going with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're right or wrong. Yeah. Like, it just means that that's what they thought. But, like, you know, they also thought that the West Memphis Three were, like killed a bunch of kids yeah and you know they thought like the central park you know guys central five, park five, central park five. five. yeah thank yeah. you six seven i don't know well <clears throat> you know what i mean like they think all sorts of shit and are yeah. wrong like yeah. people get it wrong so i i want to say that like you know i get that they like they want to have investigations that have answers they want to have a narrative they want to prosecute they want to have yeah. response to this kind of stuff but like you know that's I mean, why we have the system we have so that's that, the thing the central park five when that happened, they had no evidence against them. They forced confessions. Out yeah, of out of every single one. Yeah, well, I know that. I mean, it it, always, it no, doesn't know. always play out the same way, but right, I'm yeah, just, like, just, that's the power of narrative. Yeah, Central Park Five is fucked up. Yeah, they just got honorary degrees from some university. I just slapped myself in the face. Yeah, he did. Part of me still thinks the West Memphis Three might have done it, but that's besides the point. I don't know anything about that case. Oh, it's it's interesting. I feel like yeah. I've heard it's that, super depressing. Yeah, the 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 first movie, of Paradise Lost, like they full on like show you the bodies and everything, and it's like really like heart wrenching. Mm. Yeah, it's really sad. But so, then you get like interjected with like the crazy stepdad, like talking about America and especially guns. like the <laughs> second and third one. Yeah, and, but it's also like a classic case, and not to get we'll we'll come back in a sec, but like the the whole like. Using documentaries to frame points of view, I mean, like, that is the point of a documentary, I guess, like, most of the time, but it's, like, especially when it comes to true crime or, like, things like that, like, you know, you're looking at, like, people can edit film, and I'm not talking about manipulating the image, but, like, you're trying to carry a point of view. Michael Moore. Right, or, like, whatever, but, I mean, like, it's not wrong or right, but, like, just know that, like, just because it's a documentary doesn't mean it's objective. Like, they're, they, like, they go out to, like say like it was this one person yeah. in the second film then they go out to say it's the other person in the third 
and like it's I don't trust documentaries at all it's always there's always well some you should but last podcast does a great job of saying like this documentary was this or this book was that and giving like right. a whole bunch of different sides so you can see where the bias is coming from so um, there's a second suspect his name is Roger Arnold he was uh, investigated and cleared of the killings but he had a nervous breakdown due to the media attention which he claimed which he blamed on a local bar owner which doesn't make any sense because a local bar owner is not the media. Well, no, but he probably fingered him for it. Yeah. Like, he's the one, the local bar owner fingered him. Yeah. And then was like, so, hey, get that finger yeah, out of me. Because of all of that, in the summer of 1983, Arnold shot yeah. and killed John Stanisha, who he thought was Sinclair from the back. He was hammered. Yeah, so he was convicted and served hey, you, 15 back. years <laughs> of a 30. Um, so he, he got a second degree murder charge on that, which is, he I don't know. probably hammered. Yeah. And then um, (laughs) there was the third suspect, Laurie Dan, who poisoned and shot people in May uh, 1988, Rampage, in and around Wintenka, Illinois. Um, This is what I was thinking of. But she she was briefly considered a suspect, but no direct connection was found. So I don't really know about her other case, but... Is she a serial killer? I don't know. Laurie Dan poisoned and shot people in a May 1988 Rampage. She's a a spree killer. Mm. Oh, fucking awesome. Is it? Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Really, the aftermath of it is... um, Well, they did publish the... In 1983, the Chicago Tribune published the address and grave location of the first victim, Mary Kellerman, who was only 12. Um, Their thought was, and they worked with an FBI criminal analysis, was that if they published the grave site, then the killer would show up to the grave. So they... um, they did a 24-hour surveillance for several months, but the killer never surfaced, um, which is super interesting, but maybe they should have done it for longer than several months. Who knows? Yeah, or they like, the killer moved on, the killer could have died. Yeah. Could have um, poisoned himself. Yeah. It's true. Could have picked could've, up the wrong Could have been a big old off. accident. And what we talked about before, like, there's a whole paragraph on, and this is all from the Wikipedia on the Tylenol murders, you can Google it. Um... They have a whole paragraph on Johnson & Johnson, like, getting really positive reviews for the way they handled everything, like... So, I'll read a little bit about it. Well, at the time of the scare, the company's market share collapsed from 35% to 8%. It rebounded in less than a year. A move Damn. credited to the company's prompt and aggressive action. To it, a larger market share than they had mm-hmm. before. In November, it reintroduced capsules, but in a new triple sealed package, coupled with a heavy price promotions, and within several years, Tylenol had the highest market share for the over-the-county analgesic. Over-the-county? Analgesic. It's a non-narcotic painkiller. Interesting. But it also, it's like, it's got some more specific meaning that if you care enough, you can look up on the internet. Yeah, so then a bunch of copycat attacks uh, took place. 1986 one that we talked about before was Susan Snow and Bruce Nickel. uh, the Excedrin, they thought that was another scare, but that was really Stella just trying to get the life store insurance money. And um, there was another one after that. Um, and yeah, it inspired the pharmaceutical food and consumer product industries to develop pam- tamper resistant packaging, induction steels, and improved con- quality control methods. Uh, moreover, product tampering was made a federal crime, like you said before. And uh, the laws resulted in Stella Nichols' conviction in the Excedrin tampering case. That's interesting. You were totally right on that. So, yeah. That's really it on the Tylenol murders. Cool. All right. Later, nerds. We love you. Later.
was.